Pandemonium Reigns. Oh, what's up and welcome to Pandemonium Reigns. My name is Dan Tucker. I'm from the hills of East Tennessee. That's Mike. He's what from, up? He's from Georgia. Ugh. Oh, Siri's talking to us. Is that you or me? I think it was you, but oh. Siri's just not pleased with the state of Georgia. That's all. <laughs> Shots fired. Shots fired. Hey, um, so as we get ready to talk week five, thank you guys for tuning in and for listening. I want to begin the show by saying this regarding what we just experienced over the weekend. Let's hear it. I have so many cotton picking questions. Dude, is the year 2007 or is it not 2007? Bro, what what is happening? So I thought as we were starting to figure things out, the college football world was like, psych, watch yes. this, right? Watch this. Yeah. And it started Friday night, if not before. Yeah, Friday night. Friday night it said, watch this. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's jump into that for a second. Let's because, do it. Because you and I both had Washington going into US, UCLA and handling business in, in front of the crowd of seven people. And I'm, I'm, not right. really sure, I'm not really sure how many people showed up. It was, you, it was eight. It was eight. That, it was that eighth person they caused a headache for Washington. Washington never recovered. Sorry. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> like, we don't know what to do with all these people. <laughs> I do have, I do really want to know if, if we can find this somehow, some way. My ESPN app is acting like a fool. Uh, how many people were actually at this game in Los Angeles? Because UCLA was like, I don't care how many people are here, especially Mr. QB1 for the Bruins. Dude had a game. He had a day. Making people look stupid. So, yeah, my ESPN app is just like, bump this, bro. I ain't doing (laughs) this. Is yours doing the same thing? Uh, It is acting quite stupid. Uh, I did a quick Google search of the Washington UCLA attendance. Okay. And Google tells me that 41,343 people were there. You know how that goes. I don't know if that's inflated or Wait, if that's like, that's uh, just a random Google search. You know, I don't know if that's like accurate or if it's like, you know, how many tickets were bought. Yeah, I don't know. And frankly, I didn't get to see as, as much of that game as I would have liked to. So okay. I can't confirm nor deny, but significantly more than seven or eight people there, <laughs> contrary to what we're saying here. It, what, what the Google search said, how many exactly? 41,300. Okay, because, okay, the ESPN app is now working for me, and 41,300 is what it's saying. Uh, either way, Michael Penix uh, is that dude. He is that dude. Um, his team did not back uh, – you know, he, he had a couple of interceptions. His sure. team didn't have his back all the way there, and uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson had other plans as well. Right. But Phoenix is that dude. He's still putting up numbers, even in losses we see. Yeah. Well, I wanted to say that Phoenix is that dude and and Dorian Thompson. I was I keep wanting to call him Dorian Thompson bowling. Dorian Thompson Robinson is that man. He is yeah. he, 24 for 33, 315, three scores, ran 10 times for 53 yards and a score. But when he ran it, he made the Huskies look dumb. Man, he made it look like you juking me on NCAA 14 that first time you hit that back juke. <laughs> and he made them run into each other. He, ooh, that was nasty. Yeah. And so here we are with UCLA. And I had the AP top 25 pulled up here. 
Uh, UCLA, now, here we go. Yep, there they are. Jumping into the top 25, breaking the top 20, coming in at number 18. About time. About time. um, Because, I mean, you know, I don't have a great opinion of UCLA, and really it's based off that lackluster environment and performance there against South Alabama in the Rose Bowl. But – other than that, I mean, they've pretty much handled business, especially pulling this upset upset on Friday that mm-hmm. none of us would have called for. Mm-hmm. But looking ahead, not to jump ahead of ourselves here, they they are rewarded with number eleven Utah. Um, they yeah, do that's going to be they good. do host that game as well. But yeah, that that lines up to be perhaps a good game. When I would have said a week ago, now nah, man, Utah is gonna they're gonna slap that that the Bruins across town, man. You almost said a wordy dirt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I've never said one of those. <laughs> oh, I uh, hope, uh, hope Penny's not listening. Um, yeah, so that's going to be intriguing. My my attention is on that one for sure, but, you know, this that the pre- prediction episode will come, obviously, later in the week. But my eyes will be on that. I do want to point out real quick, before going into this game against Washington, they played and spanked Colorado. Did you know? just want to throw this throw this number out there before we begin. Several winless teams – or, sorry, uh, several undefeated teams thus far in this, this college football season. There are two winless teams. Ugh. Can you name them? Colorado, and I'm going to say yes. Akron. It is not Akron. Wow. It is. Oh, that's right. Akron squeaked by – you know, I don't know the sisters of the deaf and blind there the week before Tennessee played them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not Akron. I'm sorry. Sorry there. No shots. No shots. Just saying that's who they beat. Oh gosh. It is Colorado state. Oh my gosh. What's wrong with you state of Colorado? What's wrong with you? <laughs> they, uh, they are broken. Yeah, it's, they are. it's, it's bad. It's bad. So, um, i tell you what though. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump here just a minute because <clears throat> Once the night started to end on Saturday night with that Clemson game coming to an end, the Auburn game coming to an end, and uh, the Georgia game coming to an end, USC was just kicking off things against Arizona State. And I'm starting to wish that the Pac-12 would move some of this stuff up earlier so the East Coast can see it. I get why they do it for the people out there. But you know what? UCLA is not even filling up their stadium. Hey, the Eastern time zone is interested. Why don't you just bump things up? We might not yeah. be able to make it to your games, but, you know, anyway. So, the, well, let's. where did Washington – did that knock them out of the top 25? Nope, there they are. That, They're sitting at 21. Okay. Oof. Okay. Sitting at 21. All right. All right, well, hey, well, let's keep things moving. So, you had predicted going into Saturday that that Iowa voodoo – Okay. And I need to rub this one in because this is like the only game that I predicted correctly. <laughs> oh man. Uh, we was, had a rough we had a rough prediction week, folks. Yeah. yeah. We we both hit it. You maybe have hit this one and I don't know how many more, but I know I hit one rather big one, but that may have been about it. I mean, I predicted Georgia over Missouri, but I almost messed that one up too. Right? What in the <laughs> world? We'll get to that. Don't you worry, folks. We'll get there. We'll get there. Well, it Michigan goes into uh was it Boone Kinnick, Kinnick Stadium, something like that? Kinnick, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. takes care of it. The only thing that I want to point out is I forget the name of the receiver. He, for Michigan, he he scores a touchdown. And you know that Iowa has this tradition 
where they wave to, you know, the young children inside of the hospital there, which is like a great tradition to have. It's, 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 it's very heartfelt. Well, uh, let's see if I can find his name real quick. I believe. Oh yeah. Wilson. No, 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 no. Uh, I guess it must be Edwards. It might even be Donovan Edwards. No, 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 no. It was a rushing touchdown and it was, uh, Ronnie Bell. Is that who it was? Ronnie Bell is the receiver there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, bro. bro. He gets into the end zone and he waves. Oh man, you're that's playing a, with fire on that one, Ronnie. What a, in the? Yeah, you, you've brought the spiritual elements into this one now, bro. Honestly, son. <laughs> I mean, check yourself before you wreck yourself, my man. <laughs> yeah. So I said going into this one that I would just can't throw the ball. <laughs> well, they couldn't run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see that uh, Petrus Spencer Petrus there. He uh. Totaled up 246 yards through the air. That's probably not ideal mm-hmm. for Michigan. Um, I, I didn't get to watch a ton of action in general. I was keeping up a lot on my phone. We were on a family trip, so I was a bit of a casual on Saturday. I did watch all of almost all of Alabama and Arkansas mm-hmm. um, and some others, but I was a bit of a casual for the rest of the day. But, yeah, um, so I don't know if I was, was playing from behind or if they weren't able to run and were able to pass. I don't know exactly what factored into that. Um, but not ideal to give up 246 to a team that's been nasty, just disgusting, diseased, trying mm-hmm. to pass the ball so far to this point of the year. Yeah. I was rushing. You know, looks like Spencer was – they're counting him four carries, but I'm going to bet you this is four sacks. Yeah. Because it's negative 31 yards and there's a long of zero. So Ooh. I'm going to say these are sacks. Mm. Netting them total 24 carries, 35 yards. Oof. So – I, you know, I got the outcome correct, but I did not – my reasoning why was – could not have been more off. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, you saw Michigan just kind of doing what they've done and running away with this game. And, you know, 27-14, I know Corum had a late touchdown to make this look kind of better than it was because it was a it was a close-ish game, and that, that late touchdown did carry Michigan to cover this uh, spread of 10.5, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, which they covered. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I can confirm that was four sacks by Michigan. Just looking through their defensive stat line here, um, just that Iowa offense, man. They, I don't know if they fixed one aspect or if maybe they again were trying to trying to throw something at Michigan they may not have been expecting. But mm-hmm. that those rushing numbers are just disgusting. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to get interesting from uh, for Iowa going forward because they're going to travel to Champaign, Illinois, and take on the four and one fighting Illinois. Listen, I'm all of a sudden feeling the urge to do a dynasty with Illinois. I'm just hey, saying. those colors are nice, man. And and I can tell you right now, looking at the CSPN app, Illinois is a three and a half point favorite when they host the Iowa Hawkeyes. That's I'll I'll try to have my eyes on that game this week for sure. Yeah. So we're going to get into this conversation. It might even be time to tap into it because Illinois just ended the tenure for Paul Chris of Wisconsin. I don't know if you know this. So Belima obviously got his name from his time head coach at Wisconsin, but he played his college ball at Iowa. Ooh. I don't know if he's on some kind of revenge tour, if he's just doing his thing because, I mean, he really had things going. Yeah. For sure, at Wisconsin, mm-hmm. he br- he had a brief successful run there at Arkansas, and and let's not be let's not get it twisted. That's a hard job, and Sam Pittman's kind of finding that out right now. Mm-hmm. He's given us a lot to like so far at, at Arkansas, but he's kind of learning the nitty gritty of that job right now. If he hasn't at this point, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, Bealum has kind of got it going on, which is mad respect to him for doing that because that's a that is a tough job. That Illinois is a, is a tough job. That's, that's I mean, pu- truly, arguably one of the tougher jobs in that conference. Absolutely, right? I would. Agree. I mean, so let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and shift our, our our attention there. Then Illinois goes into Madison, Wisconsin, and handles business. If I remember right, you called this one. I did call that one, and and I was I felt like I was reaching a little bit. I'm trying just if I'm if I haven't given the context here, I'm trying to follow my gut a little bit more with these picks. And let's be honest, it didn't work out great this week. But <laughs> I, for something about this game and what Bealum has got cooking there led me to to think that I'll, Illini, gosh, would uh would beat Wisconsin. But I did not see a 24 point shellacking going yeah. down i didn't see that i'll tell you that right now i'll admit that but mm-hmm. wow what a win that was at what a, wisconsin yeah i did say going into this one that i think this game is going to come down to the quarterback play of graham mertz what what graham mertz do they get and they got a graham mertz whose qbr was a 30.4 Ooh, nasty so that's good enough to end paul chris's tenure in madison and you know what man i am um, I have thoughts on this because we're starting to see the coaching carousel open up. Colorado is now on the scene. Nebraska, Arizona State, Georgia Tech, and now Wisconsin. Wisconsin, arguably now the most intriguing job of all of those because Georgia Tech is a dumpster fire. I feel like if there's one job out of all those just named where you can kind of go in and, and not have to do as much cleanup, it's, it's going to be that Wisconsin job, I think. Agreed. I agree uh, because they've always run the ball well and they've always turned, you know, whatever the running back is, they've just – they've made him a really stout – they've always ran the ball so well. Um, until Sester, until yesterday. And, until yeah, right. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Uh, that's just been what they do. So I wonder, you know, what kind of – transition this will be for them you know will they look to get away from that or, or maybe modernize that offense a little bit or are they gonna kind of go the defensive route the ball control you know what are they what route are they gonna go will be fascinating for me to watch in this carousel I'm gonna go ahead and make my prediction on who they're gonna hire let's hear it it's gonna be the interim guy right now Jim Leonard dude is a heck of a defensive coordinator yes my concern and this is something that you and I've been talking about recently on the show and it's that these programs hiring their golden child and Jim Leonard is a badger by blood. Okay. Uh, his fan base, or excuse me, the fan base of Wisconsin seems to love him. And just, just peeping through Twitter shortly before the time of this recording, seems like Jim Leonard is who they want. Yeah. So I'm going to go Jim Leonard. I, th- I think that's who it's going to be. They, I mean, they did it last time with Paul Christ. Paul Christ yeah. is a Wisconsin guy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Wisconsin's one of those Big Ten schools that kind of pride themselves on hiring the Michigan men, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the name that was once inside of their program. So I'm going to go there. Um, but again, I think as of right now, let's say this, these are the only jobs that open, which they're not. And we're going right. to get, we're going to get to that. because We've got <laughs> some, got some juicy stuff there. As of right now, the Wisconsin hire can really set things in motion kind of throughout the rest of the college football world and the, and the coaching carousel, because I think out of Arizona state, out of Nebraska, out of Georgia tech, uh, is there any of them that I'm forgetting? Colorado. Colorado, I think you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wisconsin. If I'm, if I'm a head coach on the market, 
And I'm looking at that list. I'm going, I want the Wisconsin job. I would 100% agree if I had no loyalties and I'm just uh, looking for my next move. I'm, yeah. man, let me interview there at Wisconsin for sure. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk numbers from this game on, on Saturday. We went into this, both of us said, Wisconsin can run the ball. This is what they do. And I was all about some Braylon Allen. Well, he carried the ball eight times for two yards. Woof. They had a long – their longest run was five yards. Woof. <laughs> I mean, that offense just got shut down. I mean, they were able to pass it 17, uh, 17 uh, completions, 32 attempts. I mean, that's not a, that's not a great percentage. No. And then one score, two picks. And they, they spread it out pretty well. Five catches to a guy named Dyke, five to Eschenbach, two to <laughs> Allen. But, I mean – Wisconsin's DNA is turn around and hand it off, and that mm-hmm. didn't happen. No, they. I mean, and it looks like when you make a team abandon like this, like they did here. Yeah, they ended up with twenty four attempts. Looks like again, many of those were sacks, or some of those were sacks. Um, I mean, when you make a team abandon their bread and butter and what they want to do, that is frankly domination in the sport of college football more than maybe any other sport. Yeah. Um, outside of a few examples, but that is just domination and and having an answer for what they want to do, which it looks like was the case here. Absolutely. Man, I, I, I you know, Belimba took a lot of heat for his his time in Arkansas. I kind of like the dude, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, mean, I always questioned that move to Arkansas. And and I and listen, I get the appeal of wanting to go to the SEC and pave your own way. And, and I know these coaches are arrogant maybe, or they have a lot of belief in themselves. And I've talked about that before. But just the move to Arkansas was a bit of a head-scratcher because – he had it rolling at Wisconsin like it had been rolling. He was continuing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't exactly understand that move, and it didn't work out, but he's proven that you can always build back. Right. He is a name that I said several years ago. Now, I couldn't tell you the time that he was a name where I wanted to see him actually in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah. That – I mean, of all, of all the things that Nebraska can try, um, I think that would be – a, a very interesting one because, I mean, out, again, outside of the time at Arkansas, and Arkansas still proven to be a tough job. That He's been very successful and even had it rolling there at Arkansas just briefly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes me wonder because he's – I mean, he's he's a Rose Bowl champion from his time at Wisconsin, got a taste of the SEC after his stint with Arkansas, got a taste of the NFL. Is he mm-hmm. going to be one of these guys now who says, you know what, I'm going to do the thing at Illinois. I'm sticking He may. You know, and he may, yeah. Be interesting to watch and see how that unfolds. Speaking of the SEC, let's go there, man. Kentucky at Ole Miss. I couldn't tell you who I picked here. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm thinking that – I think we both picked Ole Miss. But, okay. yeah, I'm with you on that. One day we'll be smart enough to track our picks and see yeah. how we did. Yeah. Um, we're not those people yet. We're not, not that yet. guy. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> woo. What an unfortunate, unfortunate way to lose a game, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm and I tell you sad. what, I tell you what, though, scrolling through TikTok and Twitter, Kentucky fans only got louder. They're the weirdest, kind of the weirdest bunch out there right now. Um, you know, that's a kind of a rotating door on who's the weirdest at, at a given time. They're really, really weird right now. They're like, they're coming across of like, we almost beat Ole Miss. Like, we're proud of this loss. Like, when um, – and I know that Levis, if you look at his stats only, 
um, if you don't dig and find the fumbles. Didn't have a terrible game. Um, I mean, yeah, he, he can kind of pass it around, and he's huge as a as a quarterback. He's huge. I mean, but to lose those fumbles and to lose that game the way that you did, nothing, again, nothing about that screams NFL to me. Nothing. It screams a lack of awareness. Um, it screams unclutch, if you will. Um, and, and like I said, they're coming across as like proud of that loss or like look how unusual and how weird this loss was. That's a bad loss because you you had every chance to win that game and you refused to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what's fascinating about this is, and maybe this is just because we were Tennessee fans, but I feel like our jump into the top 10 was right in the national spotlight. And here now Ole Miss sits at number nine in the AP poll at a, and a very quiet. Very quiet. Number nine, right? Right. So at the only chatter that I'm seeing revolving around Lane Kiffin is, is he going to Auburn? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And he had a, a stellar quote about <laughs> beating Kentucky when they have the number one pick in the draft. And they can, <laughs> one of his, one of the, honestly, a trademark Kiffin remark there. Um, and frankly, I'll, I, you know, I'm here, I'm neither here nor there at this point on Lane Kiffin, but I loved that. I mean, loved it. Um, and I think I even saw chatter during this game of Kentucky having some suspect injuries that were very fishy, um, mm. which is just so beautifully ironic for it to buy another team or for another team to deploy that. Mm-hmm. Um, just love the outcome of this game. Love the way that they lost it. That's just a bad loss. Yeah. I'm here for it though, bro. Absolutely. Hopefully my uh, brother's wife is not listening. <clears throat> <laughs> Uh, Kentucky is going to try to rebound next week by hosting South Carolina. I see them. I know we're obviously we're not going to get that till later in the week. I see them bouncing back just fine. But Ole Miss is going to travel to hostile territory and take on Vanderbilt. Yeah, I noticed that was their next opponent. Um, yeah, they'll iron everything out that they need to get ironed out for sure against Vanderbilt. I see Kentucky's a ten and a half point favorite right now against South Carolina, and I realize that they host that game. Yeah, um, but I'm already so ready to talk about that game. Can't wait till we record later in the week to touch on some of these week six matchups because ten and for a half sure. is pretty strong for sure. So after this win for Ole Miss, you know they are now sitting pretty nicely for second in the West. Yeah, so, yeah, they are. So they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna travel to. Did your power just go out? You just Not went my black. power, but my lot just decided it was done. <laughs> Let's see if we can get that resolved. Okay, well I'm gonna talk while you do that. Yeah. <clears throat> so Ole Miss is gonna travel to Vanderbilt. They're gonna handle that. They're gonna turn around and host Ole Miss. I think that they or excuse they are Ole Miss. They're gonna turn around and host Auburn. They should handle that. I say that they should handle Auburn, considering Auburn just went toe-to-toe with LSU. But I'm, I'm going to take Ole Miss there. Ole Miss is going to travel to LSU. They should – they're more than capable of winning that game. They're now more than capable of beating Texas A&M in College Station. That, that, that hosting of Alabama on November 12th is going to be really interesting. What's going to be the status of Bryce Young going forward, yada, yada, yada. They're, they can travel to Arkansas. They can win that game, and they can host Mississippi State and win that game. Second, the East is arguably right now the floor for Ole Miss, which is crazy because going into this, you and I were both Alabama, Arkansas. Absolutely. And I mean, little 
and I know we'll get to Alabama Arkansas, but a little disappointed, a little confused by that game. But like I said, I, that was one of the few games that I got to watch most of. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at that schedule, and I understand also that Texas A&M and what's going on in College Station is a big factor in a team like Ole Miss elevating to second in the West. Um, and I remember what a big deal it was last year when when Lane Kiffin got them to 10 wins. Um, and, I mean, if they don't do it again this year, if they don't win 10 games, that would be – there. something would have had to have gone wrong being 5-0, and um, having seven games left. If you find three losses in there and what we just looked at, that, that would be pretty suspect. Maybe Lane's looking out the door or something. I mean, maybe – I don't know. I mean, seriously, because they're running the ball really well. They're not getting – at all great numbers from Jackson Dart, and they're always, always finding a way to run and move the ball that way. Mm-hmm. I don't think that'll tr- translate mm-hmm. well against Alabama. I just don't. I know they host Alabama, um, but Alabama has been really, really stout for the most part against the run. But, again, I mean, it, they should be able to just almost walk into that second spot in the West based on how everyone else is performing. And, again, credit to them for being able to potentially elevate into that. Dude, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be intriguing watching Ole Miss going forward. And, and and just to kind of touch on this while we're on the topic of of Ole Miss, and I know that we'll get to Auburn here in a little bit, but I was talking to someone uh, at the church, and the Lane Kiffin topic came up, and he said, why would someone leave an Ole Miss and go take a down Auburn job? Who does that? And I went, uh, Tommy Tuberville. Because <laughs> I mean, Tommy was once the head coach at Ole Miss and made that lateral move to Auburn, and I, and I think we missed the chance to laugh at Lane Kiffin with his remarks about the crowd at the Tulsa game a week ago, mm-hmm. and frankly, and the crowd. Let's let's not ignore this. The crowd against Kentucky was kind of sad as well. A lot of empty seats, mm-hmm. a lot of Kentucky blue in that stadium there on the Grove. Um, how could you not be excited about starting four and hosting another undefeated opponent in Kentucky? Coming off of a 10-win season, which is extremely rare in at Ole Miss, I mean, how can you not be fired up if you're an Ole Miss fan right now? And, frankly, Auburn's fan base is still – they're still showing up. They're still those dudes on yeah. the planes. Yeah, there's another reason why I would if, – if I'm a coach with not much loyalty, I mean, to Ole Miss, mm-hmm. why not make that move? It, you know, recruiting, quarterback play. Heck, the run game, he's won in a, diff- a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. He's won with quarterbacks who can't pass well. He's won with quarterbacks like Matt Corral who can sling it anywhere and everywhere mm-hmm. and is that pretty mobile himself. I mean, there's there's way more reasons to leave Ole Miss for Auburn than reasons not to, frankly. Well, I'm looking at the ESPN app here, and it's showing that they were actually just a few hundred shy of being sold out. And and I understand that. I just noticed in a, in a couple of images that I saw that it was a lot of Kentucky blue filling up you. that stadium as well. I got you. And and you know on and one more thing that I'll add to this is yeah, Auburn may be down, but he's not exactly rebuilding. Air quotes there. Ole Miss through high school recruiting, he is tearing up the transfer portal. He's one of the greatest examples of transfer portal success. Mm-hmm. And again, I want to touch on transfer portal rankings and who landed who because I think it blows up a lot of the time. So. Lane has proven that you can win with players that you didn't land out of high school. Mm-hmm. And if he can do that at Ole Miss, if yeah. he can get Jackson Dart, and I understand he's not lighting the world on fire, Michael Trigg, mm-hmm. I believe both from USC, I know Jackson Dart was. If he right. can lend those players to Ole Miss from USC, sunny yeah. California, 
Yeah. Dude, he can do anything he wants to at Auburn. And I guarantee you that's the reason why you would make such a move, let well, alone the previous example of Tommy Tuberville. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think the, the slow start for Jackson Dart really just has to do with learning the system. First year in the system, mm-hmm. uh, if he is there a second year, which I'm, I'm not sure on his eligibility, I would say to look for Jackson Dart to be night and day different, especially under a quarterback guru like Lane Kiffin. I so. would 100% agree. And, and in, in ESPN, I don't know if there's a COVID asterisk here or a red shirt here, but Jackson Dart's listed as a sophomore on the ESPN app. So he's got a long time to learn and for Lane to build trust with him and for Dart to, to feel more confident in the playbook. There's just so many things that Lane is proving to be good at that, I wish he wasn't good at, but he's a dang good coach. He can win in a lot of different ways. Yeah. I mean, again, you make that move if it's an option. He's he's going to make a move. He's not going to be at Ole Miss for the long term. There's just too many comments and reasons why he won't. Yeah. And Auburn is a just hotbed of opportunity. It's much more than Ole Miss, for sure. Certainly. For sure. Well, this is – let's look at one of those games that made me go, I don't know what's happening in the world. <laughs> just, yep. Because the Horned Frogs went into Norman and laid the smackdown, 55-24. And I'm about 100% positive you and I both said Oklahoma. And I would love if we could possibly – we might even want to take a break here in a second and figure out when is the last time Oklahoma has gone back-to-back losses. In ugly fashion. Now, I will say it looks like they did travel to TCU – but I do think they could have played them on the moon and not had a prayer at getting a stop. Looks like all day. I understand that Dylan Gabriel went out of this game. Looks like a concussion. Um, he was both quarterbacks that played for Oklahoma were seven of 16. Gabriel had many more yards than uh, the backup there. Davis, Beville, Bevel, not sure there. Neither of those guys play defense. Brent Venables comes to, to Oklahoma as a defensive mastermind at Clemson and other places among those Mm. uh, at Oklahoma previously. Um, And they give up 55, 41, I think in the first half. I I have, I don't have many more words for what that was other than kind of hilarious. And just what is this 2022 season? Because that's frankly amazing. Yeah. And you know what? What I what I really enjoy about this is TCU did this without Zach Evans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a big transfer that Ole Miss landed um, in Zach Evans, and it it frankly didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, their their primary back Saturday, Kendra Miller, goes 13 carries for 136, 10 and a half per attempt, two touchdowns. Max Duggan ran wild. Uh, only on five carries for 116 yards and two more touchdowns, and he threw the ball all over the yard. I mean, Mm -hmm. just complete and utter domination. If TCU doesn't score a point, yeah, the game would be played out differently. If Mm -hmm. TCU doesn't score a point after the first quarter, they would have still won this game 27-24. And again, it would have played out differently, but just a domination. I mean, absolutely just obliterated them. I, I, I mean, Max Dugan. I mean, wow. I, I just – nobody saw this coming. After glancing at this real quick, it looks like – and I don't remember this because 2020 was just an absolute nightmare on the football field and off the football field. But this looks like the first time since October 2020 the Sooners are unranked. So, I'm going to say 
more than likely they experienced some back-to-back losses in that 2020 year. But for I know that you are one of those guys that puts a big asterisk next to that season on anything and everything regarding that year, which I do too. So I would be interested going, wanting to look before 2020, when's the last time Oklahoma was unranked? When's the last time they went back-to-back losses? That that really has my uh, attention here. So I tell you what, let's do this. Uh, we're going to do something we've never done. Let's take a break, and let's go look at this info, and we will be right back. You won't even notice because we'll just like it'll be like Star Wars. Beam me up. See, I told you you guys wouldn't even know that we were gone. But we found it. It didn't take us too long. So aside from the 2020 season – when they got off to a one and two start, you have to go back to 1999 for the last time they went back to back losses in the regular season. Yes, they had back, uh, they had some consecutive losses in 2014. Uh, looks like losing their bowl game, if I remember right, where they mm-hmm. got cl- clapped by Clemson, right? Absolutely. And that was, and that Dominated 40 to six. Yeah. So do you know how bad I would love to be able to say that? Hey, make fun of this TCU loss all you want to, but you're going to have to go back two decades, right, in order to find that repeat itself. Yep. So, but uh, hey, um, so TCU is now four and zero, beating Colorado along with everybody else, <laughs> beating Tarleton, beating SMU, now beating Oklahoma. Did they, see if I can find this real quick, did they creep into the top 25? They did. Number 17. Good for them. Good for Sonny Dykes, man. Absolutely. So good for those guys. All right, so let's keep it moving. Let's let's touch on this just real quick because we threw it into last week's episode. Row the boat, Scott Uma. They met the Boilermakers. (laughs) They ran into the mighty wall of Purdue. Purdue, man. What a absolute enigma they are. I mean, seriously, when they're good, when they have one of those Purdue years where they're on, like 2021 kind of, mm-hmm. they're going to drop games where they definitely shouldn't drop them. When they're having a miserable, putrid season that features losses to Syracuse, Penn State, um, barely, barely beating FAU, they go ahead and knock off top 25 Minnesota. And I understand that Minnesota was down Muhammad Ibrahim. They were down their top receiver, but Minnesota only managed to put up 10 points against Purdue. Yeah. I mean, shouldn't anybody's fourth strings be able to put up 17 against Purdue or more? When it comes to the big 10 West, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't have a clue. I don't know if you're if you're seeing this stat pop off, but man, it's popping off to me. No touchdown passes thrown in this game, period. But five picks, five and, and, interceptions, and Tanner Morgan throwing a career high three. Uh, that's a recipe for a loss any given week. Yeah, um, you know, just bringing up that Big Ten West. Literally everyone except Wisconsin is one and one. Uh, even Nebraska is one and one. <laughs> Nobody wants it. Nobody wants to play Michigan or Ohio State, Penn State, looking outside, looking in more so. Nobody wants it. Like, you know, you could have told me that everybody would be one and one with the exception of one team and that Wisconsin would be two and oh. Mm-hmm. But to for everyone except for Wisconsin to be one and one and for Wisconsin to be oh and two mm-hmm. is just, hey, 
there's your parody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So speaking of parody, if I am a Michigan, if I'm a if I'm a Penn State, if I'm an Ohio State, if I'm a Maryland, I'm looking at the Big Ten as a conference and saying, can we do away with divisions? Because the West is trash and the East is going to be, beat itself up. Get rid of and, divisions. And, I mean, you know, I guess I, I guess that's part of the deal that's coming when Oklahoma and Texas join the SEC. And you, if, if UCLA gets approved to join the Big Ten along with USC, I guess that's what's coming. Well, but, it's, the, it's the way the Pac-12 does it. I mean, you've got the division layout, but they still take the top two teams in the conference. Right, right. right. And it's – and it, I mean, that makes the most sense to me, frankly. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that, that's what needs to happen. There's changes that need to happen to our beautiful sport if – if the other changes are going to be forced onto us without any chance of not happening. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just wolf. Nobody wants the big 10 West. They're all bad. Yeah. They're all bad. Yeah. Um, gosh, what a disaster for Minnesota, man. They had a special thing cooking. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's move on. Uh, going from week four to week five, Kansas state passes the torch in beating Oklahoma to TCU and says here, now it's your turn. <laughs> all right. Yeah. And then hosts Texas Tech and takes care of business. Kansas State, a serious contender in the Big 12, and I am loving it because uh, Adrian Martinez is that dude. 12 for 19, 116 passing yards, so not great, but his QBR is 93.7. Ran the ball 12 times for 171 yards and three scores. So this – I'm I'm terrible with this word – further – this further validates him looking at Nebraska going, I got to get out of here because it's turning out he's actually a baller. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, we know a little bit of Adrian Martinez on our homer side of things, having recruited him, having him committed until Pruitt said that he didn't want him and all that. Um, yeah, good move getting out of Nebraska. Um, he's having a, a pretty a pretty dang good year, honestly, um, and played a big part in the team beating again a maybe better than we thought Texas Tech team. Yeah, they were on the home – or, yeah, they were on the home. <laughs> yes, they hosted them. Yeah, they covered. Um, I think I called for Texas Tech to cover this, but Kansas State to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kansas State pulls it out by nine, covering that seven-and-a-half-point spread, um, winning and beating the spread. Very nice. Uh, Texas Tech, a pretty decent team, but Blue Cats, baby. Yeah, I, I mean, Absolutely. Is there? I, I, I'm trying to find this real quick. Oklahoma's next opponent. Are they the color purple? Uh oh. They better hope not. Um. Oh my. Oh my. Oh, it's they're the, not purple. It's the, but they're about to be. <laughs> oh, got them. The Red River rivalry. Red River rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 gonna be interesting. Uh, okay. Uh, I don't. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on. I can't, yeah. I, there's so many words regarding regarding that one, but that will Oklahoma be. Oklahoma might drop four in a row. I'm just going to say it right now. They might drop four in a row. Who do they play after Texas? Kansas. There's an old Beatles song. Goes like this. Let it be. <laughs> Let it be. Yeah. <laughs> just briefly looking ahead. They've got Texas and the Red River Showdown. Got Kansas going to Norman, then they're going to Iowa State, followed by hosting Baylor, going to West Virginia, hosting 
the Oklahoma State Cowboys and then going to Texas Tech. That's a rough schedule when you have gotten pretty well, soundly defeated by Kansas State mm. and walloped by TCU. Yeah, and this is crazy because these guys are on their way out of this conference. Mm-mm-mm. Can you – now, it's it's a – it's a, as of right now on paper, Oklahoma doesn't join, I believe, until 25. Right. But there's a very real possibility that they get bought out of this. Can you imagine Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 on a note where they lost to Kansas State, on a note where they lost to TCU, on a note where they lost – to not only Texas, which they'll continue to face annually, but where they lost to Kansas, where Kansas and Kansas State and TCU are all standing on the border saying, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, let it be, baby. Let it be. So uh, shifting to the other side from this game yesterday, Texas Tech is is going to travel to Oklahoma State, and it looks like it's just going to get bad from the Red Raiders from here because Oklahoma State – I've been saying this since before the season, most underrated team in college football. But, um, hey, good for Kansas State getting that win over Texas Tech. Good for those guys. I'm kind of hoping that this is going to end the Texas Tech chatter. They just kind of get on my nerves. It's nothing personal. I don't have anything against them. They just kind of get on my nerves. Uh, Pac-12, just visiting this one very quickly. Oregon State got handled by the Utes. Yeah, they did. Um, Really, again, makes me question what was going on with USC and Oregon State there Mm -hmm. uh, a week ago. Um, And USC didn't – I mean, I know that this final score looked ugly, but and we'll get to it, but they didn't exactly make Arizona State look like a program that's been in the dysfunction that they have been. Um, Mm -hmm. It was a closer game at halftime than I would have thought it would have been. But Utah, they – they seem to be playing like, yeah, we dropped that game to Florida. We know we shouldn't, and we're going to prove it to you every single week from here on out. And and that's kind of how they operate in general. You don't really need to give them a reason to to play mad because they kind of always do. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the beautiful things about Kyle Whittingham. But they just they have no sympathy for anyone, and I think they're going to go on and prove it every every week that follows in this beautiful season. Well, that's interesting that you say that because the next two weeks they travel to Los Angeles to take on UCLA and then they host USC. So let me ask you this and let's just move on. Let's say Utah handles both of those games and then runs the table, wins the conference. Are they still on the outside looking in for the playoffs? Whew, man, that's a that's a stellar question. Um, you know, my gut tells me that they would be because my gut tells me that it's, it's going to be tough for these teams in the Pac-12 and – these teams that are not your traditional blue bloods, you know, let's say Clemson goes on and wins the ACC convincingly or they continue doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Ohio State or Michigan have seasons like they've had in the past forever. Um, and then it's, you know, we'll get again, we're going to get to Alabama and Georgia, but you got to think that those two teams are probably still on a path to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And unless one team just wears the other out, yeah. both are probably going to have a chance to get into the playoff pending how these other teams fare throughout the rest of the season and their, and their conference championships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think it, it could come down to Utah being right there, right there. And if they mm-hmm. had just handled business against Florida, I mean – It would be a no-brainer. Right there, which I'm not saying expand the playoffs because I no, think it's perfect nope. if four. But anyway, <clears throat> good, for, good for Utah taking care of business, the business. Alabama. 
also taking care of business. So good buddy of mine. Hope he's listening. Colton, hope you're out there having a good day. Colton, my buddy is over at the house, big Alabama fan. And he, he gets over here early in the third quarter. And he's like, man, I should have stayed home. <laughs> we, we were doing good when I was at home. I come over here and things start falling apart. And I'm, I'm just looking at him saying, listen, man, you're, you're going to be fine because, I mean, Bryce Young, no Bryce Young. I don't know. I don't care who the backup is. And he's like, man, he ain't done much. I'm like, dude, he's, he's, he's already got you a running score and he's got you a, a touchdown pass. And this is before he broke that long one you know, <laughs> yeah. later in the game. I want to say this about Alabama <clears throat> in this quarterback situation. Let's say, worst case scenario for Bama fans, that Bryce Young is done for the season or, you know, maybe a few weeks. Going forward, I guarantee you in a week's time, you will get a different Milrow that you saw on Arkansas that you will, whoever they play next Saturday, because he will yep. have time to prepare under Saban. Period. We've seen this a thousand times. Yep. I don't, I don't, I don't care if it's quarterback. I don't, I don't, I don't care who it is. Uh, Saban will will make him prepare, and that dude will be ready. Let's okay. Let's let's just glance at this real quick. Alabama will play. Oh, they play host to A and M. Yeah. Mm. Give give mm, me mm, give mm. me Alabama with Milrow. Regardless, I mean, I, I just don't see I don't see any difference there. Alabama just doesn't fall off with this kind of stuff. No. Um. And and let me let me lay it out for y'all this way. Bryce Young went out in the second quarter. Went out in the second quarter. Yeah, the game got dicey there in the third quarter. But he went out in the second quarter, and Jalen Milrow attempted just nine passes. Now, look, he completed four of them for 65 yards and a touchdown. He didn't look stellar passing the ball. I get it. But, he he again, he played more than half of this game. Uh-huh. The run game blew up, whether it was him, whether it was Gibbs seeing a crease the size of I mean, a pinhole Mm -hmm. and just exploiting it. I mean, Gibbs had his best game by far running the ball. Mm -hmm. This man threw nine passes in more than half a game, and Arkansas gave you their best shot. Yeah. And and again, we picked Arkansas as our second best team in the West. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to make some noise. KJ Jefferson looks like that dude. None of it mattered. None of it mattered. And and I've had friends that are Alabama fans tell me, yeah, Milrow, man, he can run the ball, but we're worried about that arm. I mean, does Alabama seem worried about that arm no. when he attempts nine passes no. and he breaks out for 91 rushing yards? And, I mean, dude, he looked like a gazelle on that run where he almost scored. I think he took it – I can't remember how far he took it. He took it a long way. 60, 70 like, yards, yeah. He looked like a gazelle, a machine on that running play. Uh, here we go. His long was 77. 77. So I'm going to go, go yeah. on a limb and say that's it. Um, he looked like a gazelle. The run game as a whole, I think – changed because Arkansas then had to account for him you have a less you have a, a, a better numbers advantage for the offense yeah because of the running quarterback I mean there's no reason for concern right now um even even if things don't look stellar against Texas A&M and right now I'm gonna bet Texas A&M to I'm gonna bet Alabama to cover that 24 and a half that I'm seeing they're mm-hmm. gonna run away with this game A&M scores a point offensively I'll be shocked um <laughs> Let's say you come into the Tennessee game, October 15th. One of the, you know, again, one of the lower tier pass defenses in Tennessee. You know, I mean, what what do you have to be worried about until the stretch run of this season? Maybe even Atlanta 
mm-hmm. you're not able to pass the ball like you have over the last few years. What do you have to worry about? I mean, Nothing. you could conceivably run into Atlanta with a loss and still be <laughs> looking at a playoff berth. I mean, there, yeah. there's just not much downside here. Um, 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 is it? Will it not be the most Alabama thing for Bryce Young to be done for the year? And and this is his last year in Tuscaloosa, right? Certainly, we, we certainly. all know this. So let's say Young's done for the year. The most Alabama thing is this kid comes in and gets his warm up season, right? Going right. into next season, and the new narrative, the new, the new, the new name in Tuscaloosa, 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 Jalen Jalen Milrow, and we're we, we're doing the. We're passing the torch yet again from name to name at QB1 in Alabama, and uh, they're going to be just fine. I mean, yep. you can read option, zone read, speed option. I mean, the dude might not need to pass because he is one heck of a runner. And and I'll say this too, whether Bross gets back soon, later in the year, whether he's done for the year, those receivers are coming along. Yep. Kobe Prentice. Isaiah Bond, Jojo Earl scored on a screen pass that I'm still not sure how he scored on. <laughs> I, honestly, um, they're coming along. You still got the, the pass game to Gibbs and the run game having its best day of the year against any team with a pulse. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially against the run. Arkansas may be woeful against the pass, but they're not too shabby against the run. Yeah. And Alabama touched it up for 317 yards. So, yeah, whatever. There's, yeah. there's not a downside to this right now until proven otherwise for me. Yeah. And here, tell me if you've heard this before. Bryce Young, terrible injury, will return for the Tennessee game. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. (laughs) Hey, the Big 12 championship game from last year, I called this one. I did call this one. I certainly did. Oklahoma State over Baylor. Listen, if you guys have not bought into the Cowboys yet, you need to do it because the dudes are for real. Uh, 11 point win over Baylor in Waco. Yeah. And and I'm going to credit to nothing else other than those dreadful uh, threads that the Baylor Bears wore. Those ugly, ugly, dingy threads that they wore on Saturday. But no, uh, just telling it like it is, I didn't get to see as nearly as much of this game as I wanted to. Saw a lot of highlights, but Oklahoma State, they didn't care where the game was played. They didn't care that they were a two and a half point underdog. Came in, handled business. Spencer Sanders looking dang good. Um, Yeah, and you called this one. Credit to you on that. That was a great call. Yeah, and all I can think about as Oklahoma State handles business, you know, and and Baylor currently sits here at – are they out of the top 25? Yeah. Looks like they're – oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they're they're out, but they were 16th going into this. You just got the Cowboys, you got the Bears, you now got the Horn Frogs. Just kind of looking at this whole situation at Texas and Oklahoma, said, "Hey, we're fine without you. We're just fine." Absolutely. So won't miss you a bit. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Hey, um, here's here's something that that that's not getting a lot of talk, and it's this ten point Penn State win over Northwestern. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Again, didn't I, I was a bit of a casual. Didn't see much of this one. The stats, if I just glance at those, oof. Ryan Holinsky had 210 on 15 of 37 passing, touchdown and a pick. Their run game was non-existent. The Penn State pass game wasn't much, but they did kind of what they do, running the ball mm-hmm. to, the tune of, to the tune of 220 as a team and a touchdown. But what in the world kept that game a 10-point ordeal? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. 
But I do want to point out as we move on that Northwestern is still winless after their win over Nebraska. And I think I've got you covered on what kept this a 10-point game. Just okay. looking at the stats over here. Um, yeah, Northwestern's run game was non-existent, like I mentioned. But Penn State, seven penalties, 55 yards, four lost fumbles, and an mm. interception. Uh, that'll do it. do it, folks. That'll keep the game close. They dominated the time possession, 37 and change, 22 and change. But turnovers are the great equalizer, and it looks like that's what must have happened here in this game. Hey, if there's a Penn State fan out there listening – Shoot us an email, pandaroniumreignspodcast at gmail.com, and let us know what happened because we don't know. <laughs> right. Wake Forest at Florida State. Man. 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 That gummit. Dang it. Happy Dang for, it. Happy for Sam Hartman. I mean, that dude's a player. I just hope in regards to Sam Hartman at this point that he lands on a team in the pros that I can get behind. Absolutely. I want to root for that guy, especially with the iffy situation to start this year with his health. Um, mm -hmm. I hate that any time that comes up for a player, especially for a good, solid quarterback like he is, um, but really for anyone. But, yeah, happy for him. Hate to see it for the Knowles. I was texting with a, with a fan of the Knowles, and, and they said it looked kind of like those Knowles losses of recent years where they just, just didn't have it uh, hosting a Wake Forest team that we know is good offensively, but just putting up 21, um, not having a whole lot on the ground, not ideal. Um, hate to see their kind of their run coming to a you know a, a halt here. Their undefeated yeah. run that is. Hopefully they'll bounce back. I watched a lot of this game from start to finish, you and did. I I'm gonna have to disagree with that. I felt like Florida State fought. I didn't feel like that was the Florida State of old. And Good. I'm very interested to see how they move forward now that they've taken one on the mouth because they're going to have to get it together quick. They travel to Raleigh and take on North Carolina State. And um, if I am a future opponent of Florida State, like I don't really want to play them coming off that loss. I, 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 I still think they are who we saw in week one, a ticked off, ready to play, ready to compete Florida State team. I, I'm, I haven't lost hope in Mike Norvell. Same. I mean, for one, you lost to a good Wake Forest team, and I saw fight. I mean, they did struggle to run. Yes, they did struggle to do some things. Uh, and they probably – or, excuse me, it's very probable that they ran into a more talented, you know, roster than them. Yeah. Because it's, it's just kind of been abysmal in Tallahassee for a minute mm -hmm. now. So, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm going to have to disagree with that, but you know what? My eyes will be on them and the Wolfpack next week because these guys yeah. are both coming uh, they, off losses at this point. And they better win that one because Clemson looms large after that one. I am standing by my prediction. Upset of the year, Florida State, Clemson. I'm taking the Knowles. I hope you're correct. Which is crazy because DJ Uyagalole, <laughs> however you say, say his name, he's improved. He's better. He is getting better by the week, for sure. Yep. yep, yep. Iowa State, Kansas. Kansas finds a way to win this one, man, on a – you and I have played Madden before, and it's trash. <laughs> it's trash. And sure Madden, is. Madden used to do this thing where the kicker would just hook something way left or way right one direction, even though you put it right down the middle. I mean, it doesn't really matter. And this is what happened to the Iowa State kicker. That was – did you see it? Did you see how nope, far – I, I, 
I missed this one in my in my roamings Saturday afternoon. Bro, he almost landed this thing in the Mississippi River. I mean, oh my gosh! <laughs> it, it's wow. bad. It's bad. But so peaking here at at Kansas, Daniels didn't have his best game. Seven for he 14 sure did. for ninety three. No touchdowns. No picks. Didn't run well. Run run well. Run well. Eight for nine yards. A long of six. But good teams find a way to get it done. They do. And, and that fits into my narrative that even though we're talking about a 2022 season that looks an awful lot like 2007, mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of these kind of vintage games, you know, like a 14 to 11 like this game where yeah, the offense just doesn't get it done and the defenses are standing tough all day. Um, and frankly, I'm not opposed to that at all. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure I'm glad that Tennessee's offense is waking up and finding ways to be more modern and score a lot of points and put up a dang ton of yards. But I don't, you know, I don't, look back unfondly against these defensive battles 14 to 11 i mean are you kidding me that's that's awesome for 2022 <laughs> especially in the brand that the big 12 has been over the years when with playing no defense and putting up points absolutely couldn't agree more yeah, yeah. Uh, <sighs> weird to see daniels have and, and i mean wow again really nice to win when your quarterback who's been money is just not having his best day and Credit to Iowa State for that. We know that they're a tough team as well, even though they have these years, like we've talked about, where they're reloading, where they don't have your Purdy's and your Brees Halls and those guys. Uh, you know, they're 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 never going to be a, a rollover while Matt Campbell's there. So yeah, tough win, and I'm all here for it. Rock yeah. chalk, baby. Hey, I'm I'm down, baby. I'm, I'm digging it. And, and they uh, get to host game day this week. Yeah, so happy for them. TCU, right? That's right. Hey, top twenty matchup. That's hey, my 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 my. I will be uh, bachelor life this Saturday. My family will be traveling and and going to stay with her family. So I get to watch anything and everything. And you're gonna watch all the games. I'm secretly excited. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, I got a question for you. Let's hear it. Where is Sparta, dude? What is this, man? You pay Mel Tucker all the money in the state of Michigan, and <laughs> this is how he repays you um, with a defense that has been so, so, so bad. And I understand, and I'm not picking on him this week because Mike Loxley's a good offensive mind. We know there's a lot of quarterback talent in that Tagovailoa family, even for Talia there at Maryland. Mm-hmm. But there's no offense. The defense has been – it has to be the worst that Mel Tucker's maybe ever had, especially at Michigan State. I know it's early there still, but I mean, he is the defense. I mean, he's a defensive backs guy, and they they don't have secondary play. They don't have much defense going on, and offense is not exactly happening either. I know that Kenneth Walker was the great transfer portal land out of Wake Forest, but I mean, you're telling me that everything vanished when he left for the NFL. I mean, <laughs> what other argument is there? Because they don't—they just don't—they don't look the same. Period. No, they don't. Maryland's a good offense, uh, you know, as you said, and Spartans are going to have to figure it out quick. Absolutely, because they got the Buckeyes next. Yeah, uh, they got the Buckeyes, and then they got a Wisconsin team that is on an interim coach, like we've talked about, and then. They're going to go to Ann Arbor, and can't tell me that Michigan won't be upset about that loss last year. You uh-huh. can't tell me they won't be. Not that there's any reason for any more bad blood and animosity in this series. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to get this figured out quick because you are staring at three and five, mm-hmm. you know, if you beat Wisconsin. And, and frankly, this Michigan State team look like, looks like they can lose to anybody. Yeah, and Wisconsin's not good. And you've, you've got to figure out how to find four more wins in Georgia just to be bowl eligible. You're not going to do it in your next game against Ohio State. You're mm-hmm. not going to do it against Michigan. Can you do it against Wisconsin is the question. Can you do it against Illinois? Right now, that answer is no. No. Rutgers should be a win for you. Indiana should be a win for you, and you're not beating Penn State at this moment. No. I I would say I would agree with all of that. Um, So, my thought is – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I'm just going to say this. this, You know, you don't need another kick in the tail, but this this Ohio State game is not going to be pretty. I mean, Ohio State – and I kind of credit them, but – Dude, they ran a fake punt up like 30 against Rutgers, almost sparked a brawl. Um, frankly, simply because Rutgers left it there, frankly. Their their punt coverage was so bad. But dude, th- they're not gonna stop scoring points if they smell blood. They're not gonna feel sorry for you. They're probably gonna want to put you back down where you've kind of been. Yeah, you're a, a surging program over the last few years and, and you've had good years, and you've certainly been a, a thorn for Ohio State at times. They're they're probably not gonna take you very friendly right now. Yeah. Um, and I think they're going to score as many points as they absolutely can. So you're going to get your your face beat in here, most likely against Ohio State, and it'll be a test of their will to see how they bounce back if they can bounce back against Wisconsin, being what they are right now. Yeah, Spartans Buckeyes is that line is currently sitting at twenty five and a half. That I think that that tells you everything that you need to know. And in order for Michigan State to be bowl eligible, they're going to have to beat Wisconsin. They're going to have to beat Illinois. And they're going to have to beat uh, Rutgers and Indiana, like we like we've already said. You don't do that, you ain't bowling. It's just not. No. it's just not happening. Which what a what a disappointing season after what you did last year. One hundred percent. You should have capitalized on it a little bit better than you have so far. Especially with with a guy like Mel Tucker who has set up shop in the transfer portal, right? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. He's like, oh, Dabo, you don't want in there. All right, I'll watch this. Right, bet. So, hey man, they they got to get that figured out. You you know Certainly. that I that I've that I've always kind of had a thing for them. So I'm hoping that they do. Here is one that just I, I I'm I'm amazed that people are not talking about this, and it's A and M and Mississippi State. You know, it's it's like it's like once A and M once once they lost that luster, and I, I mean, let's just be honest, CBS has to already be sick in their stomachs that they chose this Alabama A&M game for their not game, for their doubleheader. Um, because of, frankly, they I'm sure they chose that because of the offseason banter and because Texas A&M's been surging and recruiting the tail off of everybody. Um, I'm sure they chose it for those reasons, but Texas A&M lost their luster quickly. Don't you think CBS would rather come to Knoxville a week later? And I'm not being biased here. Don't you think they'd rather have a not game in Neyland Stadium for Texas, I'm sorry, for Alabama and Tennessee? Okay, I hate CBS, and I can, I, but I can tell you why they chose this. You want to know why? Because yeah. they want that shot of of Fisher and Saban when the game is over, and they want that shot of interaction so Gary Danielson can comment on it. That's it. Yeah. It's not going to matter how this game unfolds. It's not. They they want this four to five second shot on that handshake, whatever that is, so that can be their storyline. Because CBS, when it comes down to it is just not great at sports. They're really not. I mean, truly. And 
I, I'm not alone in this. I know you are much, much easier on Gary Danielson than I am, but I'm certainly not alone in how I feel about him and how he just, you know, to, to put it in one category, how he exaggerates and over-exaggerates every single facet of a football game and of a review, for example, and how ridiculous it is in sport already. And he makes it, frankly, so much worse um, to me. But, yeah, you're absolutely correct. They're not very good at this. And I, I completely agree that that's the reason for this. But what, I, what I'm getting at is that once A&M lost their luster, it's like no matter what happened to them along the way outside of that Alabama game, doesn't matter. I mean, Mississippi State, we know, is not a program that people just love or they want to talk about all the time. And, dude, I mean, they did what they were what, – what they should have done to Texas A&M, mm-hmm. putting up 42. Um, man – if, if Rodgers has had down moments this year, I know that the LSU game left a lot to be desired. Had a great, great game against A&M. Um, A&M is just – they are stu- so stuck in the mud. It's just so nasty what's happening there offensively. I mean, gosh. And I, um, I don't feel bad. I think, nope. I th- I think Jimbo is, is not a good person. And, again, further – solidifying the thought of he can't do it without an elite quarterback. He's agreed. He, he's got to have a Jameis agreed. And we've seen talk on Twitter uh, from sec Mike talking about comments from Paul Feinbaum saying that the boosters at A&M are willing to pony up for that massive buyout official. If things continue to trend poorly in college station, that's just absurd. I mean, I get it that there is money there because of, SC Network, and because of the nature of the sport being as popular as it is, but it's just frustrating. I mean, it's kind of like Mel Tucker because if, if they do have this poor season like we've kind of charted out like it's going to happen, mm-hmm. um, you know, his seat's going to be fiery hot if they don't start out 3-4-0 next year or sooner. I mean, it mm-hmm. could get hot this year. That's just the nature of this game. I hate how quickly it escalates. Um, I'm not saying you should keep, you know, some of those coaches at Arkansas over the years, you know, your Butch Jones, your Derek Dewey's, mm-hmm. your, mm-hmm. your bums. I'm not saying keep, you know, a must champ at Florida. Don't do that. Right. But dude, like things are kind of just now starting to trend this way at AM. I know that he's not early on in his career, but I'm just so sick of this. Oh, we're just going to start over, rip it out. Never happen. You know, I hear you, but he is in like year five, year six. That's true. Whatever That's it is. True. And, and, and this is your quarterback play. I mean, it's it's bad. It, That's it, true. It, and it's real bad. And I will say I'm not sure how it got worse from a year ago because Haynes King was your young starter last year. He got hurt, pretty nasty injury. He's coming back this year. He's healthy, but he's playing so bad. Max Johnson from LSU, not getting it done. So, you know, I don't know how you miss that bad on quarterback, um, but I, I also don't know how it was better when you lose your starting quarterback a year ago, you're relying on Zach Calzada, who beats Alabama, of all things. And now, um, is, and, and now is the third guy in Auburn, by the way. Yeah, and now he's injured at Auburn. Um, and uh, frankly, I don't think he would play above Robbie Ashford if he was healthy. But yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know how it got worse. It clearly did. So yeah, I understand it's not early in this tenure for Jimbo, mm-hmm. but I'm just so, so over this. I mean, I, me not liking Jimbo is part of that. It's part of my salt in this situation for not liking it but what are you going to do i mean you're going to go hire dion what are you going to do, gonna do? <laughs> so you are you telling me if you're the athletic director at a&m you're just you're saying y'all need to chill out just hold on 
Because you're about to take no. this. You're about to. You're about to take on Alabama. And I, and I'm not sure that that's my take either. I'm I'm really frustrated if I'm an Aggie fan or if I'm in the AD there in the department somewhere or if I am the AD there. Um, but what's going to happen with all those already disgruntled guys like your Evan Stewart's and those those guys that were acting crazy after some early you know lack of playing time, some early losses. What's going to happen to those guys that you probably paid for with the NIL and things like that? I'm not even making those accusations. I'm just saying those guys that may not have roots to College Station, if you pull the plug on the head coach, do you expect to hold them there? Do you, do you think that the young man from the greater Knoxville area, his name is completely slipping me right now, do you think he's happy with that decision to go to Texas A&M over Tennessee right now? Uh... <laughs> And I'm not, and again, I'm, I'm not being biased. I'm not ha- wearing the sunglasses. I'm just saying what's going to yeah. happen if you pull the plug on the guy that either got you those deals or he used car salesman his way into getting you the te- to college station. I mean, what's going to happen? I mean, you're looking at a bigger rebuild unless you absolutely nail the hire, which you thought you did with Jimbo Fisher. Well, the, the argument there is there's talent in the cupboard, right? You, yeah. you, you really just have to get the quarterback thing figured out in my mind, my my issue, as often always is, is who are you going to hire? Um, and that's kind of where I'm at, too. But <laughs> there is a guy about two states north of you who's killing it. And it might be one of those things where I'm saying, hey, bro, um, name your price. I mean, I think that's what. I think Lance Leipold is going to hear a lot of that if he if he leverages this this coaching carousel to the best of his financial possibilities, or <laughs> crazy as it would be if he proves to be one of those loyal guys like a Matt Campbell, then it's just going to be bonkers the offers that he's going to hear. I, and I mean, I don't think he's someone because he is an older coach. He's in his fifties, I think already, if not upper fifties. You know, it's not like he's looking for a stepping stone job, but it could get really interesting there. I mean, truly, especially, yeah. especially if he's thinking, I don't know, man, Texas A&M hired one of the hottest names. Texas has hired many of the hottest names. What if I'm that hot name and it just doesn't work out? Why do that at this point in my career? You, you know, uh, <laughs> people have said that A&M is one of the top premier jobs in the country. Think of your resources. Think of Think of your – recruiting hotbeds, you never have to leave the state, yada, yada, yada. Yes, all these things are true. But the the problem that comes with the jobs at Texas and Texas A&M is all that booster pressure. Those, yep. And I'm going to say it, and I don't care to say it, but all those old white men in your ear telling you what you should do, right? And, mm-hmm. and you have to manage that. Mac Brown obviously did it really well. Mac Brown's death was he didn't want to adjust his offense to his his personnel. Mm-hmm. So therefore, anyway, with that said, regarding A and M, I don't think it's a premier job just because of that natural pressure that comes from all that old white money. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't want to touch that. So if I'm Leipold, and I know I'm the one who brought his name up regarding this, I'm going, yeah. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I, I just – I guess it ultimately boils down to I don't know where you go well enough to pull the plug. And I said this about Georgia when they pulled the plug on Rick. I acknowledge that. And I've said it along the way over years. But I don't know where you go to make it worth paying that buyout. 
Absolutely. As of, as of right now, I mean, where do you go? I mean, obviously there are some names out there like a Deion Sanders and, and a Leipold, but, but, but where do you go? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure where you go. I mean, are you going to hire a, a Scott Frost? Are you, are you actually going to be able to convince Deion Sanders? Deion knows he's not an idiot. He knows what it would be like to have that job there in Texas. He's not going to touch that. I mean, the the bros at a at a at a at a HBCU job. I mean, for a reason. He he chose right. this. He wanted it, so he's not going to touch it. Outside of a Leopold, Leopold, however you say his name, where are you going? I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just not a believer in, and I think it's proven over time, but. I'm not a believer in continually just going the hot coordinator. Now, I say that with the asterisk of I would hire, you know, Jeff Lebby and some of those guys. Okay, Kendall there's Bryles, a name. Maybe. There's yeah. a name. Okay, you know, okay. Some of those guys I think are your exceptions because they've done it for, frankly, a long time. And, you know, who knows what it could be. But, like, at the same time, you've got your coordinators like, you know, Sarkeesian, who's the, the jury's much – very much still out on um dan lanning we'll see what he's made of um you know you've got your coordinators like brent venables who it's not starting off good for at all um so it's like i don't see the need to pull the plug for that because i do think there is a path for jimbo not that i like him not that i'm rooting for him but i think there's a path for him so you know i just i don't know what the move is i guess this is why i'm not in an athletic department or would never want to be uh, because that's a tough situation with a, an unreal amount of pressure for everyone from the head coach to, you know, staffers there at AM. I just wouldn't want to be a part of it at all, at, even at Tennessee or somewhere. Um, but, I mean, I just don't know what you do. I, I think for now, unless it gets very, very, very bad, that you try to ride it out because I think there is an avenue for him with this talent that's there. If you can figure out quarterback, uh, I think there's an avenue for a lot of success, but – there's just no patience in this game, and that's fine. Did you think that there was an avenue for Kevin Sumlin when he was there? You know, I, I think he tended to prove over time mm -hmm. that they were a front-running team. Um, I think they had a lot of backloaded schedules that continually bit them. Um, eat, you know, their best years with Manziel for him. Um, they, they never really sniffed Atlanta at that time. You had Alabama defenses that were – their offense now, uh, granted, and and they they did beat them. Don't don't get me wrong there either, mm -hmm. but you know they could never get it done consistently over twelve games. I I do think that the Sumlin era had played out. I think there's a reason that he's not bounced back necessarily, though he's he's had some tough jobs. Don't get that wrong either. Yeah, um, tough. he's had some. Yeah, absolutely. But I think there's a reason that he may not have bounced back as well as you know if Bielema proves that he can bounce back. You know, for something like that, coaches bounce back sometimes, but. I think there's a reason that your Kevin Sumlin may not have, um, and I think that that era did play itself out there in College Station. Okay, fair enough. And you just threw a name out there that makes me go, "Huh, Bolima?" I mean, I don't know. If, I, I don't know if Aggie fans and administration are going to want to touch that just because of how things went down in Arkansas. But he is that personality that can handle the. And please don't hear me say it's because he's white. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Um, and I think Deion Sanders could handle it. I just think they would, Absolutely. Scrutinize, they would scrutinize him so much more. Uh, but, I mean, that's a – I don't know. That name just kind of catches my attention. 
And um, it does me too. I, you know, I've wondered what, like we've talked about, will he want to go or will he say, no, I've seen how it is out there. I've tried to climb the ladder. I'm going to climb it right here in Illinois and there's nothing you can do about it. Sure. Big 10, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting name. I mean, some of these bounce back names are get really interesting. Like Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, what a bounce back this is for him just in landing this job. Yeah. But oh, okay. he still yeah. has to prove it via the win column. Don't get me wrong there, but, I'm saying for the bounce back for as hard as he fell to land the Texas job, mm-hmm. dude, that's, that that's stellar. So, yeah. you know, you don't see much of that. You just don't like the, yeah. there's not many second chances in the sport. So it'll be really interesting to watch what direction this goes as well as those coaches that we name. Yeah. So before I read you this uh, stat here, let me tell you and remind you that Jimbo Fisher is under contract in, in college station until 2031. <laughs> so, <laughs> this buyout is just unheard of. Okay. So okay. Um, <clears throat> reported here or tweeting Adam Gorney. I'm not really sure who this guy is, uh, but he is blue check mark. So sure. Why not? After a blowout 42, 24 loss at Mississippi state today, Jimbo Fisher, who would be owed more than 95 million if he was fired without cause has the same record. 37 and 16 as Kevin Sumlin through their first 53 games as head coach at Texas A&M. And at this point, I will go back and say I gave I gave Jimbo the benefit of the doubt versus on the bounce back question, how mm-hmm. I thought the Sumlin era would play out. Mm-hmm. It's definitely possible that I gave him the benefit of the doubt too strongly because it's kind of like that Kirby Smart and Mark Rick stat used to pop up where they had similar records along the way until kind of last year and it got blown out of the water. Mm-hmm. But here's here's the thing and here's what changes this for me is i think if jimbo goes to arizona or houston or you know somewhere not florida state somewhere not texas a&m somewhere without a generational all-world quarterback i don't think he's worth much more than i mean do you see him as an offensive coordinator if he gets fired i don't well not now because his offense is extinct exactly so I don't think there's much of a bounce back chance for him outside of A&M. So I think for the sake of his career and credibility, he, and, and that mouth that he sure likes to hear himself speak out of, he better figure it out or else I wouldn't hire him. Oh no, 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 no. But I also just had another name and and folks, these are the conversations that we have texted about for years that caused us to have, have a podcast. We love (laughs) to do it, but this is why we do it. I want to throw a name at you and I want to hear, I just, I just want your reaction. I don't care if it's like, yeah, do it. Or like, no, that's the worst I've ever heard. I don't care. Okay. For a and Yes. For a okay. If it falls off the rails, they fire Jimbo Fisher. Here's the name. Mark Stoops. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm trying not to see this through orange glasses because my orange goggles say, yes, yeah. <laughs> get him out. Yeah. I th- okay. So I think my initial, honest, my genuine thought here is, yeah. But I just don't see that happening. He seems so content with the low pressure that the Kentucky football head coaching job brings. Mm-hmm. He don't want that. I mean, and I agree. He shouldn't. And I, and I bet you a Stoops type response would be, "Why do that when I feel like I can take my current Kentucky team into College Station?" and beat them and i and i am i'm i'm pretty sure he feels that way i would agree 
But, you know, when we talk about like a Mark Stoops, kind of in that Lance Leipold frame of thinking, not really because of the age differences and the differences in careers along the way. Um, when you just think about it that way, I, I would be and will be so fascinated if he ever, ever leaves Kentucky because I think for anybody that's the head coach of Kentucky, Mark Stoops, you know, Bear Bryant <laughs> reincarnated, I don't care. I think if you want to go to Atlanta, if you want to have any chance at more than just 10 wins against lower teams because they, they're not beating Georgia, they're not consistently beating Tennessee, they're not even consistently until now beating Florida, I, I frankly just don't know what the point of winning for the sake of winning 10 games against lighter competition. I don't know what it is. I would want to see if I can't do it, you know, against that higher competition like a Florida State because I thought at some point along their downfall they would have hired him by now and he would have said yes. I but that hey, made a lot of sense. Absolutely it did, you know. Absolutely it did. Mm-hmm. But at a place like Texas A&M, yeah, you're right. I mean, the expectations at Kentucky are like when's basketball season, you know. Yeah, they showed up to that old Miss game and yeah, they're supportive of that program and listen, dude, he gets a year and a, added to his contract and a raise just winning seven games a year. Every time he wins seven games, he gets in a year added. So that's like the opposite of that A&M pressure. So I get it from that standpoint. I'm just, frankly, I want to see what he could do somewhere else because I think he's a good coach. Well, don't get me wrong. If I'm A&M, he's probably on that short list for sure. sure. But looking at it through his lens, I'm going, no, nah, yeah. no, yeah. no, no. Hey, yeah. I, want, I want to recall a tweet I believe you sent me Saturday night. Okay. Four trips into the Mississippi State red zone. Do you remember this? Did you send me this? Four I think tri- so. Okay, four trips yes. into the Mississippi yes. State red zone. And somehow, Jimbo Fisher's offense has managed to be outscored 7-3 to three on those chances. What? So, when you ask me, I, this is about, does he get a coordinator job? My mind went to this tweet. Nope. <laughs> nope. No? And, you know. If you are trying to do that math on how they got outscored in their opponent's red zone, it was a block field goal that got returned for a touchdown. Again, we kind of love it. It's kind of hilarious. But that's so, so Tennessee is what that is. That is so Tennessee over the last few years. So, yeah, I'm not hiring him as a coordinator. If there's a bounce back, if there's a downfall that continues A&M, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not hiring him. You know, maybe I, I think for sure I've given him too much of the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. in regard to that Sumlin conversation because they're probably they're probably not far off of the same dude and that's that record is backing that up through several years of his tenure there yeah yeah so one last thing and then let's move on his his buyout doesn't drop until an under 50 million until 2027 I mean, you know maybe they're looking at it and they're saying we're probably going to have to pay it anyway it doesn't look like it's going in the right direction why not get it over with now? We're going to get more money in the SEC network and the, and the conference deal. Why not do it now? Maybe that's the way they're looking at it, but good luck to them identifying that guy and going to get that guy, going to get yeah. that guy. Yeah. Unfortunately, our whole conversation right here regarding Texas A&M tells you everything you need to know about Mississippi State and how people perceive their program because they just took care of business and ain't nobody talking about it. We just spent however long that was talking about the losing team. Nobody, nobody talking about Rodgers. Nobody talking about Mike Leach other than his post-game uh, interview. I hope I'm pretty sure you saw that about the wedding and and how yeah. the girl should elope and all that stuff. No, I mean. 
<laughs> Mississippi State, uh, you, you you obviously are just who you are, and it it shows. I, I want to move on, but let's keep let's it. In, it. In, let's keep it in the conference. I so bad wanted Auburn to pull this game out. For but the they, sake of Auburn, I agree. For the sake of Tennessee playing LSU, I'm fine with the result. But sorry that I interrupted you there. No, you're good. But they're they're doing this thing now, where I'm going to call it the Auburn. Right? <laughs> yeah. They're Auburning. Bro, did you see this this pass? This attempted pass that I don't even know who it was. It wasn't Robbie Coy Ashford. Coy Moore. What were you looking at? What were you thinking? I mean, that was so detrimental to the outcome of this game. And what sucks about this as a Tennessee fan, I'm not sure Auburn put anything on film for us to, to help us uh, in, in regards to, to, to LSU or, or Daniels or, or even Nussmeyer. Auburn, we've, we've, we've said it for weeks now, they're bad. They're bad. So in regards to LSU, what does this mean? Is LSU bad? Was Auburn playing up to LSU? This is – I said this at the beginning of the episode. I have so many questions. This is one of those, like, what, what is happening? I, I, you know, I wish that my facial expression, that my reactions could come through via audio. So go watch the YouTube product <laughs> that we put out. It's, it's worth it for my faces. Um, dude, I don't know. And, you know, in regard to Auburn – putting stuff out there, being able to scout LSU a little better. <laughs> I mean, Daniels is obviously a little banged up, and he got re-nicked in this game. But he was 8 for 20 for 80 yards. Their run game was 49 carries overall for 185 yards. That's above average, but the pass game is certainly below average. Mm -hmm. um, their receivers are, are just not getting it done. Your top two um, – well, I'm sorry, your your top receiver in terms of yards in this game was your running back, John Emery Jr., who we know he's got potential, and he showed it against Auburn, and that's fine. But this this looked more to me like LSU playing down to Auburn in the highlights and the video that I saw of this game, which was not a ton. I was on the way back home at this point of the day. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know what to make of this. My gut tells me that it's more – LSU playing a little bit down to their competition. So I'll be really intrigued to see how they come out against Tennessee. Um, and of course we'll be watching that game because that's who we are, but I, I, I agree, you know, Ashford put up a lot of pass yards, but I saw a lot of broken plays that helped and that helped lead to that. A lot of uh, interesting tackling techniques from LSU on some of those big plays and a lot of scramble drills for Robbie Ashford, who is very dangerous. Let's not get twisted, but here, I guess here's the last thing before I kick it back over to you in this game. Tank Bigsby ran the oh, ball. Yeah. Right. Let <laughs> Brian Harson. You know, but maybe here's the thing. I've always said that Brian Harson will bounce back. Maybe he won't because Tank Bigsby got 12 carries in this game. He had four receptions. He needs four receptions per quarter. He needs 12 carries per quarter. So back over to you for this because I just don't know what to make of this garbage. Well, Honestly, the running room was not there for for Auburn. I know that they broke off a couple. Ashford had a longer twenty four. Bigsby did have a longer twenty three, but there were there were, there was just not consistency there. Uh, Bigsby showed off kind of who he was and and being able to to break some tackles, but anything between between the tackles was not there. It it just it it, it wasn't there. However, I do think. 
that going forward, this should be Ashford's job, regarding, even regarding the status of, of Finley. This needs to be his job. He plays faster. It, it feels like things are – like the game just doesn't slow down for T.J. Finley. Like he's, like, he's, like he's another speed behind everything. Ashford's starting to – and he, he did throughout the course of this game. He started to play faster, started to process faster. And I saw some people saying he was a one-check takeoff running. I didn't, I didn't see that. I agree. And, uh, and I, he's – dude, he's a – Listen, he may be a backyard football player, but he is a football player. He oh, sure. is doing what he's meant to be doing, frankly. He's meant to be on the field making plays like you mm-hmm. see him doing. It's just unfortunate what product Auburn puts out week in and week out. Mm-hmm. If if I'm Auburn and we talked about this and I'm coming back to it, I'm calling I'm firing Harson before this Georgia game. <laughs> I'm calling Lane Kiffin, seeing if he won't come over mid-year because we've seen him work. <laughs> We've seen him do work with quarterbacks who are raw, like a Robbie Ashford, like a Blake Sims, like a Jalen freaking Hurts as a freshman. Dude, I'm like, hey, you want to transfer? Because you got all the transfers. Would you like, would you be interested in transferring? Are you interested in the portal? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, can you imagine Lane with an athlete like Robbie Ashford? Can you, okay, can you imagine? So I know this is just not going to happen, but can you imagine Lane Kiffin dip in middle season after yeah, the way he left yeah, Knoxville? Absolutely, I can. <laughs> the the narrative he he listen he even in his grave the media will not let this go. Here's the guy right who left Knoxville in the middle of the night and who left Oxford in the middle of the season. <laughs> so imagine imagine the scenario: Auburn calls. It's a Monday morning. Auburn calls Lane Kiffin and says, hey, we would like to offer you the head coaching job in Auburn. And Lane Kiffin says, you know what? I've been thinking a lot about this. And you know what? I would actually like to accept this job offer now. And uh, um, uh, Auburn says, well, hey, that's fantastic. We, we can't wait to get started with you. And it's none of this, hey, congrats to you on the rest of your season. It's more like, hey, we're sending you a plane now. <laughs> get on it. <laughs> Can you be here tomorrow? And Lane Kiffin's like, tomorrow? Like this week? I'm walking, bro. I'm, I'm out right now. I'm coming. Yeah. Hey, we're not waiting until 2023. We, we want you on Tuesday. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, anyway, <laughs> um, heart, uh, <laughs> I'm caught up on this. <laughs> yeah. At this point, I'm a little more torn if I'm the administration at Auburn because you did fight against LSU. Mm. And I guess the verdict is still out on LSU. You know, I, I, I thought out of week one, weeks two, three, uh, and four right there, we had a little better understanding of who LSU was. Obviously, we didn't. Or Auburn just played up. Again, not real sure. Not real sure at all, actually. With that said, if I'm the Auburn administration, I'm, I'm, Harson just made this more difficult, I think. Yeah, he did. Because, you you know, you, we expect teams and coaches to lay down in this scenario. And, and – get it over with, be done with the firing. And they're not doing that. I mean, they're three and two. They're not even like sub 500 or like Nebraska. They're not like Georgia Tech. They're three and two. Mm-hmm. They're just, they may finish with three wins. That's the only caveat. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm not happy about it, but it is what it is. It is what it is. So we'll, we'll see. Be interesting to watch that Auburn coaching position come open because it's it's going to come open it's just probably just a matter of when so mm-hmm. all right we'll see let's jump to nc state and no 
No, 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 no. <clears throat> Hi, Nebraska. Congratulations to you. Congrats I, on win uh, I actually, number accidentally, two. Actually, <laughs> I accidentally scrolled a little bit too far and saw Nebraska. Hey, good for you guys. You beat a bad Indiana. I, I didn't know what to expect from you guys from here. But, uh, hey, good for you. Texas getting it done against West Virginia. Good didn't for you. did see a lick of this, but – Hey, I do want to point out Hudson Card was 21 for 27. Yeah. This is so that's a couple, that's at least two really solid performances from him since the Ewers injury. Is is he making a case? He's making a case. Absolutely. I I, I think I've heard things like Ewers is eyeing a return for the Red River uh, rivalry in the showdown, which is a week away. So it'll be an interesting week of practice. I wish I could be a fly on the wall there and see how that's handled uh, and see how they practice because also we expected him to be out more time than he's missed so far. So mm -hmm. he'd be back a little earlier than expected. I mean, I do think he is the better option still based on that Alabama game. You know, we've seen Hudson card play decent football. He's probably playing his best ball of his career, but I, I think you could, I, I think the case can be made for sure either way, but that yours has the highest ceiling and the most potential of the two. So It'll be interesting, and I, I know which direction the boosters in the NIL will pull. Sure. But what, what the boosters in the NIL doesn't understand is Hudson Card has been playing. The, the rest of the college football world has continued to play. Sewers has been sitting. So it's, it's, it's difficult to, while the rest of the world has been going on, and you have it, and you come back into it and try to catch back up to speed. Certainly. Now, we've seen it done before, but it's, it's extremely hard to be done. I think even if yours is healthy, if I'm Sarkeesian, I'm saying, listen, man, it's not that I don't like you. Not that I don't even think you're the better quarterback. It's that he's been doing really well, and he's just the guy that's been playing. Right? Mm -hmm. so, yep. Nothing personal. So, be interesting to catch that Red Rebel rivalry on Saturday. NC State at Clemson. Hey, um, if I had to give you like a list of five takeaways off the weekend, one of those things on that short list would say Clemson is much improved. Absolutely, it would. Um, it, they would there would be a meme, and it would say the reports of my death were greatly exaggerated. Um, it would be like Debo or Clemson standing in the background, you know, holding up a sign or whatever. <laughs> um, I, I, look, dude. I'm I'm pleased with this because I you know I, I, we we like what they're doing. We need them to bring parity to that conference and yeah. to you know we need them to challenge Georgia and and the the conference when they get the chance to do that. Uh, beating Alabama is beautiful always, um, but I mean DJ has looked so bad at times. I mean so so bad. Like a very like you mentioned the other day, the lights are on me. Can we not? Can we just not look at me and me play this game? Mm -hmm. He's gotten a lot tougher, a lot tougher, I think, especially as a runner. Um, he, he's actually churning out good running performances where the con the desire for contact, I think, may not have been there in the past and how well he handled it wasn't wasn't there in the past. He led the team in rushing. He obviously led the team in passing. Mm -hmm. um, he's taken much better care of the ball. Yes. The turnovers are not, not there this year like they have been in the past. Um, so, yeah, good for Clemson. I think that's a pretty good win. You know, I, I don't – I think NC State's been a little overrated, overinflated, and and I still think that Devin Leary, uh, you know, started out with a little more buzz than he should have received, a little, you know, but good win, and I'm proud to see it. Yeah, I'm with you. So – and I, I've been – I've been 
I've been an absolute critic of this guy. I mean, you and I both have outside of outside of the show. I mean, his mm-hmm. touchdown to interception ratio last year was just bro uh, whole, nasty, horrid. Yeah, and, and he's off to a uh, obviously a much better start this season. But something that I'm just now realizing as you were talking there, Trevor Lawrence had Etienne. Deshaun Watson had dudes to turn around and hand off to. Taj Boyd had dudes to hand off to. DJ's handing it off. Not that Will Shipley is bad. Right. And I'm not racist, but he's white. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he's not right. Christian McCaffrey. Okay. No. So, yes, he was highly recruited. He doesn't have great top end speed. I don't think mm. his vision is actually all that great either. Yeah. Um, he doesn't. He think he handles contact well, but I don't think he he's, he's great at breaking the first uh first first contact. Yeah. Here's my point. He's not an elite running back. So a lot more weight is falling on DJ. He's going to have to be responsible for more. I would be so interested to see Clemson with a stellar elite running back like they had with Etienne with DJ because when Trevor and DJ were both in that quarterback room. Trevor goes down. I believe it was the Notre Dame game. DJ steps in with that offensive line, who they were, with that backfield and what they mm-hmm. had, and he plays lights out. Yep. for 300 more, has a game. And then they go into last season where it was kind of a cluster of the offensive line. Again, Will Shipley highly recruited, but true freshman, you know, Again, white. (laughs) Anyway, so maybe I should have backed off him a little bit because he is he's he's changing my mind. Mm -hmm. So good for Clemson. They are going to get a bit of a break against Boston College, and then it's that October fifteenth game in Tallahassee. So looking forward to that one. Um, Michael said he's going to wash my car and rub my feet if I um, if I'm right on that prediction. <laughs> well, you'll have to drive up here, but I'll do it if you drive up here. All right, ten four, copy. <laughs> hey man, Georgia Tech making us making our win against Pitt not look not so good. Yeah, and and I text you this, and we can certainly point to it a year ago, and I think we can point to it in other seasons in the terms of. Pitt is also one of those programs where they have to stack their talent and they have to load their classes and it all has to come together for them to have special years like 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I said to you was that, and I phrased it that Narduzzi is always good for one of these, but what I mean is Pitt is always good for one of these. And this will rank among the worst losses when you actually look at a, you know, opponent, not, you're upset like your Appalachian State AM or you know some of the losses that Nebraska's taken. This is going to stack up as one of the worst losses of the season, I think, because Georgia Tech's been so bad. Mm-hmm. They did just fire their coach. You mentioned when um Frost was out at Nebraska that sometimes you see a bump, you know, you see a wave of toughness and mm-hmm. success. And, you know, it wasn't realized that Nebraska, that's one thing, but it was realized that Georgia Tech on Saturday to the tune of beating Pitt at Pitt 26-21. to 21. Yeah, uh, 
just recalling to mind what you said about Pitt, you know, this is kind of what they do. You know, last year was against Western Michigan, and it's pretty sad on behalf of Georgia Tech to say, hey, in regards to Pitt, losing to you was worse than losing to Western Michigan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Pitt was a 21-and-a-half-point favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been someone this season that bets those big lines. I would have certainly bet this game and bet Pitt to cover uh, had I had the opportunity. Being here in Georgia, thank you very much, Brian Kemp. I am not, um, but I'm glad because I would have lost money on this game. I would have lost money on, I imagine, the last game that we'll talk about, the Georgia Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, that is just a well. That that's a disgusting performance. I'd like to get to the turnover stats real quick because I I know they played a yeah three turnovers for Pitt, two fumbles lost, one interception, and. That run game certainly was not what it has been uh, when you had 31 team carries for 106 yards, no touchdowns. Slovis was 26 for 45, 305, three touchdowns, the only three touchdowns that they had, and one pick. That is just – that's nasty. Yeah. Makes me wonder if Narduzzi is looking at his offense coordinator saying, should I have said that? <laughs> yeah, you know, and and the key point there is how he how successful he said they were running the ball when they were not, mm-hmm. and they tried to run it thirty one times. They barely managed a hundred yards, and the only points and looks like you know massive amounts of yardage were through the air. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Mark Whipple is where you should point the finger. Not that he's having a ton of success at Nebraska, mm-hmm. but don't believe that's where you should point the finger in this weird battle that you have between Narduzzi and his coordinator. I got my hands up, man. I don't know. I don't know. 2007. It, it just, it as a Tennessee fan, I'm like, oh, that well, that sucks. So, yeah. Um, you know, the only thing that I can really think of for Pitt, no, no, there's nothing to think of. I was, I was thinking that they had a tougher opponent coming next week. They've got, they're hosting Virginia Tech, and they're a big favorite there again at home. So, not what I was thinking. I was thinking they were hosting a tougher opponent than Virginia Tech. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, unfortunate. All right, let's get into the last segment of today's show. And before we get into the last segment of the show, I have a story to tell you. I've been let's waiting and saving this. So, Courtney and I, my wife and I, spent our anniversary date night on <clears throat> Thursday – and we ended up at the brand new Wild Wing Cafe out here. <laughs> very romantic, <laughs> very romantic. And I uh, walk in, I've got a, I've got a Tennessee polo, right? And that's what I'm wearing. Got a jacket pulled over it. And there's this table, and this one dude who is obviously buzzed, and I really hope he's listening because I told him about the podcast. Hey man, if you're listening, I'm about to put you on blast because you were obviously intoxicated. <laughs> and so he go dogs. I get one of those go dogs. And um, so I, I'm like, bump this, GBO baby. So I just follow yeah. right back at him. All right. So it seemed like all in good fun. So we go have our meal as I'm as we're leaving. He's still there. So he's he's talking to some other dude at the bar, and I walk up and I said, Hey man, I just want you to know, like, um, if by chance we do go into Athens and beat you, I will find you. Okay. <laughs> And uh, I will, I will let you know, and I will remind <laughs> you of this moment. <laughs> so uh, we got to talking just for a second, and I said, um, again, he's he's a little intoxicated. And I said, listen, 
So me and my buddy, we run a podcast, pretty new, uh, off to a pretty dang good start. Real happy with it. I said, but I want you to know, I'm, I am, I am on record on the internet saying George is the best team in the country. Stetson Bennett is the best quarterback in the conference. And then they play Missouri. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can't uh, – the, the internet – I'm sorry, not the internet. The college football landscape in 2022 is dead set on letting us be right, except for our little Illinois over Wisconsin and your little Michigan's going to cover. Your, you know, we can't have anything nice other than that. The, the world of college football hates us. I don't understand. So Georgia comes out, they handle Oregon, they they handle Sanford, and and and, and what is an underwhelming performance for Georgia? And then I, I forget who's Kent in between State. there, but yeah, okay, yeah, Kent State comes along, and 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 I said last week they're fine. You're fine. Everybody has a bad bad day, and apparently you had two of them. I guess I guess that's what it is, or. Because I'm seeing this on social media, people saying Georgia is not who we thought they were. And that feels bold for me to come out and say, whoa, you're not, you're, you're not as good as you thought when, when just two weeks ago we were saying, bro, you're better than 2021. Yeah. Which is it? Yeah. I mean, part of it for me is, Listen, this game is is largely about momentum, and Missouri did the best job that I've seen them do under the Drinkwitz era of capitalizing and maintaining momentum for a long time in that game. They had a key, key force fumble early in that game that was on a big run for Georgia, a, mm-hmm. a good first down run out near midfield. They were capitalizing with – all they had to do was get the ball across the 50, and the man that I've dubbed as the thicker kicker, Mavis there for Missouri dude he was dude he would have hit from 70 yards I'm pretty sure on Saturday night dude was putting his I mean seriously he could have hit from anywhere that's just how how on fire he was and making up for that Auburn game a week ago but I I just don't know what the deal was because it was like you know Missouri was sending pressure I mean they were sending dudes they Mm -hmm. were shameless about it and Georgia was not picking it up well for the majority of that game Mm -hmm. and they weren't running well against it for the majority of that game. It did click later in that game, but it was like for the first time this year that I've seen Stetson was when, when he did have time, he was feeling the pressure that he'd been getting all game. He, he was throwing a little bit high and a little bit off here and there. Um, he had an early drop though. He did bounce back from Lad McConkey that, that hurt that helped to stall another drive. And then you had Brady cook and the Missouri offense putting together the best performance I've seen out of them since maybe 2020, if not for sure, 2021. But dude, I just am so perplexed and confused by this game. I do think we talked a little bit earlier about Auburn and LSU, not putting much film out there, not giving us many ideas of how to attack, uh, being a lackluster game kind of on all fronts. Um, I do wonder though, for teams that have, maybe a little bit more athleticism or better coverage on the back end, or that could match up perhaps a little bit better, God forbid, Mm -hmm. against Brock Bowers and and Darnell Washington. I I do wonder if Georgia won't be facing a lot, a lot of blitzes after the way that that almost worked out for Missouri and Columbia on Saturday night. You got to see it coming. I I think so. I I think they're going to be spending the next week at least working on a team drill called blitz pickup. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I, I would I would absolutely think so. And if I'm Auburn, I'm going, you know what? What do we have to lose? Let's let's pin our ears back. Let's and that, and I didn't want to spoil it, but that is exactly where my mind was when we were talking about how difficult the situation is. Harson and the team making it a little bit tougher by playing LSU as well as they probably can in the situation that they're in. And I will listen, a gun could be pointed to my head and I would not pick Auburn to win that game, but Mm -hmm. being the rivalry that it is being the weird rivalry that it is. Mm -hmm. Don't you think that they're going to just let it all hang out and send crazy, crazy blitzes. And I mean, Maybe they'll try to copy that game plan that Missouri had. I know they won't have the luxury of being the home team in that game, but still, what do they have to lose? I mean, I would. You you have you have don't tell me that the players in the locker room are not paying attention to what the media is saying about Harson. Don't tell me that. So if I'm anybody administration, if I'm a freaking professor at that university, I'm saying pin the ears back and go get it. Because Harson's on his way out anyway. Exactly. And, and as much as we talked about it, I actually made the remark, and I stand corrected, um, for now, it, the season is still young, relatively young, before the halfway mark. But I said on last week's recording that you could see Georgia go for the jugular of Eli Drinkwitz if they were to do what everyone in the college football landscape thought they would do in Columbia and – potentially find Eli Drinkwitz looking for a job here at the, you know, week six of the season. No, that's not the case. You know, whether they do anything with it or not, who knows? But, you know, again, how funny would it be? How much pride would Auburn take in whether Harson makes it or not saying, look at what we did to Georgia. You know what I mean? Again, there's no scenario where I picked them to win this game, but I do believe the blueprint has been laid for what you should try to do Georgia no I I agree with you I agree with you and for a team like Missouri if I am Florida which is Missouri's next opponent I'm going crap yep because this is a loss yes it hurts yes it's a heartbreak yes it stinks but Missouri's now looking at this going oh we can play we could play. Yeah. Uh, who's to say that we can't go into Gainesville now and beat and beat Florida? Absolutely. That's going to be interesting. I want to I tell you a story. When I was a senior in high school, played at East Ridge, we went to Boyd Buchanan, and we lost on a heartbreaker. We, we ended up throwing a Hail Mary from about 40 yards out. It bounced off our receiver's helmet, um, and this is how we lost. But the locker room after that, we were so jacked because we just went toe-to-toe with dudes who won state last year. And that was – I'm going to throw names out to you. A a game like Matt Pearden was on that team, and he was dang good. And he was a Mr. Tennessee state state finalist. Those dudes were good. And we went toe-to-toe. We were right there. So after this loss, uh, I don't know who we played next, but we prepared for that game like, bro, you just messed with some – some, you're about to get some dudes who just went toe to toe with some some state champions. So watch yeah. out for this Missouri Florida game because yes, Florida handled Eastern Washington, but I don't know if if they do what they did against Georgia, man, look out, look out, Florida. Absolutely, look out. And the only thing that I'll nick 
um, the Missouri Tigers on and their offensive staff or Eli Drinkwitz, whoever calls plays there is late in that game. You know, they every drive, it seemed like they and the broadcast talked about this ad nauseum, but every drive just about they were attempting those stretch plays and they were talking how much that how effective they've been with that. And I kind of dispute that to an extent because they just frankly haven't done a ton since their trips to Atlanta when they were facing a down east many years ago. But they they didn't even try one of those. They they came out, they throw the ball three times, which I understand from the clock aspect because the clock was getting low mm-hmm. and they were playing, it looked like, to get a stop and get the ball back, which you need to recognize at that point that Georgia's kind of got it figured out. They're kind of rolling. And in, in fact, I don't know that Georgia threw the ball again after that point because they've had figured out how to run against that Missouri team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know why their approach was that way. I would have sold out. It would have been four-down territory going for it in that moment, running the yes. ball, yes. making it third and fourth and manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, because Brady Cook played – you know, he's, I know he's a young guy. I know that he's not surrounded by talent, talents like Luther Burden across the field. Right. Um, but he had a pretty dang strong game, and they called a good game plan, I thought, for the majority of that game outside of that last drive. That was mm-hmm. poor coaching, I thought. Yeah, unfortunately for Missouri, they just they just weren't able to do enough to get up. They had to keep settling for field goals, which is funny because Georgia did too for the most part until right there at the very end. Mm-hmm. But I think Missouri, I think they grew up a lot that night. I'm very interested to see Missouri going forward. Makes me actually nervous to play them. A little bit. I'm glad that game's at home. Yeah. 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 So interesting to to see them going forward. So um <clears throat> The AP, uh, as we close this thing out, AP Top 25 came out uh, on Sunday. Any any movement there that's, that, that intrigues you? Um, anything that we need to highlight right there before we tap into the strong performer of the week and then close this puppy out? Um, you know, not too surprised to see Alabama jump. Georgia, based on the performances respectively, mm-hmm. um, a little surprised, you know, that maybe Ole Miss didn't jump up a little bit more, which is funny because, again, I think Kentucky lost that game as much as anything else. Um, but other than that, <clears throat> not much. It's shocking um, just how much it takes for some teams to get ranked when you look at Kansas, mm-hmm. you look at UCLA, you look at TCU. Um, and it's a frankly, it's a shame that either one of those teams will pick up a loss this week because they've been so fun. And I've really enjoyed the – resurgence there of those programs but yeah nothing major for me when i look at the polls i'm going to say something regarding us actually and i just think we're i think we're too high the more that i the more that i sit on this i think that because of our brand and who we are historically that the florida win caught people the media's attention the pit win caught the media's attention turns out the pit win after that georgia tech loss just you know wasn't so hot you know what? We didn't beat it. We it, Florida is always going to be good just because of where they're located, the conference, you know, talent. Like I think they're a good team. However, they're not great. We almost lost it. So I'm I'm I don't see our two big wins as big as I did. So I think we're a little <clears throat> high. I think we're a little yeah, high. That's we're gonna, fair. We're gonna find out more in this LSU game. Now, if we go down there and we just handle business, you know, 35, 14, something like that, then I might be – I might change my tune. However, 
and that's kind of what high. I want to see before before making that assessment yeah. as well. Yeah, uh, we're we're too high, and and that's 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 all I'll I'll say. So any listeners out there who think that I'm biased, well, that that should squash that. Hey, well, let's let's talk strong performer of the week, and let's close this puppy out. I said, are you strong? They said, I'm strong if you strong. I said, we strong, man. So, strong performer of the week. Do you do you have yours ready? Do I need I've to got, go ahead and go? I'm, I want you to go because I'm on the fence between two guys. So, you go. <laughs> okay. Mine is so I, – I know that we're only done this like a few times, but it's so unorthodox. <laughs> so, here's a stat for you. I'm Actually, I'm going to give my strong performer of the week to LSU, period. Okay. Okay. All right. Because they found a way to beat Auburn, an SEC road game, where they passed for five yards in the second half. They (laughs) found a way to win this game by passing for five yards in the second half. You know what? I understand Auburn is who they are, but you overcame your your own – self <laughs> you absolutely I, I anyway so i'm i'm gonna give it to lsu I, I i wanted to go you know a couple different routes there but i found that to be humorous so lsu there you go all right i'm gonna play the bias card um i'm gonna play the blue blood card and i'm gonna give my strong performer of the week to blake Corum. Okay. Uh, this young man that has had some really big games, and he's had games where he may rush for 75 yards, but he's going to have five, six touchdowns along the way. But against Iowa the other day, when you had J.J. McCarthy managing that game, you had Corum going for almost 30 more carries. He's carried the ball a ton, 133 more yards, uh, and another touchdown, putting him again at fourth in the nation in rushing and giving him his – a 10th touchdown via the ground for the year. So that's my strong performer of the week. Good stuff. Yeah, that dude is that dude is balling out, balling out. Well, hey, we need to land this puppy because this is one of the longest episodes <laughs> in the history of pandemic, Pandemonium Reign. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We hope, uh, hope that you had a fantastic week five. College football season is about halfway, which is just madness. As Michael has told you before, you better enjoy it while you can. Because Please do. it is going fast. Next thing you know, it's going to be Thanksgiving and it will be rivalry week. And Tennessee will be finding ways to lose to Vanderbilt. So <clears throat> I hope not. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening wherever you are in your car and your drive home. Uh, maybe you're new to the Pandemonium Reigns family. Thank you so, so much for letting us tickle those, tickle those ears. It's a new saying around here provided by Michael Walker. Uh, so we appreciate you guys make sure you're subscribing on apple podcast pandora spotify you're hitting the like button on this youtube video you're sharing it following you're doing all those things if you love us you will do these things there are no and ifs or buts you will do it yes 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 well we love you guys have a fantastic week god bless and go balls Rains.